Welcome to the Armchair Commanders podcast. My name is John. And I'm Jack. And this week we are reviewing the Epic 300. An epic it is. Man, nothing really... Nothing gets my my blood pumping quite like 300 does. Yeah, man. Man, shit. I'm a man. A tough man. (laughs) Which I gotta say... We, we should just start off right now with this particular topic, which is, I don't know about you, but I am greatly annoyed and or I find it just stupid. The, the people who latch on to the, like the Spartan image, yeah. like, don't get me wrong. I think if you appreciate like Spartan warriors and all that stuff, like cool, all the power to you. Um, like, I think they're cool too. But if you're the kind of guy who like has a lifted truck and like puts a Spartan helmet with, you know, whatever um, on the back of your truck because you're a tough man who don't take no shit, like you you need to reevaluate your life. Yeah. I I love the fact that there are so many like tough guys out in today's society who have like based their based their personality off of a comic book rendition of an ancient people Mm -hmm. it's like the kind of guy who rolls around with a spartan helmet on the back of their car it's not the kind of guy who's going to be reading a comic book the same it's almost the same as those people that have the thin blue line punisher skull sticker did you read the fucking comics at like at all doesn't matter it's a cool logo but i love the fact that the punisher like the comic book writers for the punisher even addressed it in one of their books He's killed cops before, corrupt cops and evil cops. But that's, that's ain't like, like I've seen, (laughs) I have seen like the Punisher skull with like a thin yellow line. And I was like, what the fuck is this? And I had to Google it. The thin yellow line is tow truck drivers. (laughs) Yes. Oh my God. I I was expecting like pizza delivery or something. <laughs> oh wait, that's the thin bread line. Don't forget about the uh thin Baja line. <laughs> the thin brown line, of course, the landlords. And before anybody adds me, I, I am a first responder, okay? So and I, I think the thin line shit is stupid. Like for anybody. And I have no opinion on the matter because I'm not a first responder. Thank God. It's just a lot. Sounds stressful. Well, I think I think the military's the thin green line. And like nurses is like it's weird. It's like the thin light blue line. Teal, I think's the word. The thin light blue line. Okay. It's it's weird. The number of cops who like get into relationship with crazy nurses is through the roof. So that makes sense. Yeah, high stress jobs. Well, shit. What was I gonna say? 
oh yeah getting back to the movie before we get off on lines and colors and whatnot well i think um, we should speaking of lines and the whole macho man thing i think we have to address the yes. elephants in the room again the which manly is elephants in the, <laughs> the the boy lovers line oh god i that freaking line so well to the those viewers, boy those boy lovers over in athens told you no like and I, i'm pretty sure that's a line from the comic i don't i don't know if i want to give this all to Zack snyder on this but for our listeners there's a part in the movie where leonidas mockingly refers to the athenians as boy lovers which do you not know how older spartan men trained boys trained their young they were like in lover relationships like yeah, that's, it, it that's got how so they exerted it's how they exerted uh control over them and it got so intense that they had to force the soldiers to have sex with their wives to reproduce like oh it's, it's it yeah this is like greek history 101 yeah there was a lot of uh like the ancient greeks had no hang-ups about homosexuality oh like, no like people do today these are the guys that would train together naked and sleep with each other in their little tents to keep warm i'd sleep with you in a tent to keep warm anyway <laughs> <laughs> oh please i'd use you for warmth in the winter and shade in the summer the other the this movie is just full of hypocrisies like the and the whole we're fighting for freedom we are free men said the guys who own one of the largest populations of slaves at this point in ancient greek history uh-huh like part of the like part of their training program was you have to kill a helot and not get caught and they're not to mention the monstrous literally monster um persians an actual fucking goat man in that tent scene that's so weird um do you think that was a mask or do you think it was like a its eyelids were moving so i don't know man it might have been a mask they were using in like the drugs and the contact high in that little tent they were in maybe uh I think and so I think this warrants a conversation which is it does this is this is a movie that is about a historical event but the movie is basing its source material on a Frank Miller comic book this is not this is not a like a historically accurate film this for all intents and purposes is a comic book movie and we we need to keep that in mind when we view this and i i love it don't get me wrong i think when zack snyder interprets frank miller's work it translates very well between their two styles but (laughs) the problem is is that most people don't understand that or don't do the work to get the difference because i remember after this film came out there was multiple history channel like one-off documentaries or even a show 
that like the history channel went through like a serious ancient history phase after 300 came out and i loved all those documentaries but the problem was is that they all adopted the Zack snyder take on frank miller artwork approach to it and it's like yes this is what's popular but it it's kind of like with gettysburg where it's like you're giving a very skewed image of what this actually was. <laughs> I, I believe the word for that is artistic license. And yes. boy, did Zack Snyder use it and Frank Miller too. It's, it's like our Gettysburg discussion. This isn't based on a true story. It is inspired by a true story. And I'd like to, uh, what's the word, bring up the fact that the movie is told through a flashback from a guy who was there to motivate his soldiers. So that explains why the Persians look like monsters and behave like orcs. And there is all oh, these fantastic beasts and magic they were throwing at us. And we bravely fought them off and not a single man was lost in the first day of fighting. <clears throat> and we were like macho and we, we totally gave them the what for until that cheater head told him about the goat path that it was implied he already knew about anyway. That was one thing I, I kind of appreciated was the depiction of Ephialtes. So uh, in this film, the Spartans are betrayed by, he's basically, he looks like the hunchback of Notre Dame. Um, and basically he knows about the secret path that the Persians eventually use to uh, flank the Spartans and it leads to their defeat. Um, Ephialtes was a real person, or at least according to Homer, he was. Um, Homer says a lot of things were real that we haven't really been able to independently corroborate. But when you have no other historical, you know, works covering it, you kind of have to take it for what it's worth. It's kind of like, it's like the Bible. There are parts of human history where the Bible is the only written record of it. And you more or less, like you, you may not believe all of the, the mythos or the like miracle sides of it, but you know, we, we get a good chunk of like Assyrian history from the Bible and like ancient Egypt history too. So take that as you will. But if, according to Homer, Ephialtes was a real person. But he was, in, in real life, he was just a dude who lived in the local area who more or less was like, yeah, for a couple of coins, I'll tell you like about this goat path. Um, but he legitimately became the ancient Greek equivalent of Benedict Arnold. And so his name became like a taboo name, like almost like he who sh shall not be named, like Lord Voldemort bullshit. Um, so that was something I appreciated in this film is that the way that they depict Ephialtes is um, it also reflects how ancient Greeks would have viewed him, which is this over-the-top representation of this like disgusting person who betrayed the Spartans. And how <clears throat> I was just reading about 
bestialities and how he was portrayed in other media. Uh, apparently, he's just this shady farmhand in the 60s version of 300. But they went the deformed guy, uh, deformed human route for the for the comic in this movie. And <laughs> that scene where he goes to Leonidas and is like, hey, can I help? Lol, no. Which, that's a solid reasoning that he can't raise, raise his shield and be a part of the main phalanx, but... Is there... He can still... There's plenty of roles he could have filled. And like... most of the film, they don't even fight in phalanx. They just go off and flip and twirl around and kill people. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that the Spartans took a class in uh, Olympic gym- gymnastics. Yeah, and like, go go guard the goat path. Yeah, give him that task. Yeah, I'm sure he wouldn't have said no. Put him but, in the way back, you know? Yeah, like, last ditch effort. And like, really jazz it up to like, you're the last line of defense we have to Sparta, so don't fuck it up. Right. And But instead he like, gets up put on water duty, which, okay. <clears throat> there's, a, there's a way that Leonidas could have done this that didn't piss him off. And like, when I was in middle school, I think is when I first watched this, either middle school or early high school, I was like, wow, that he Smeagol is a traitor. Wow, what an asshole. But <laughs> I kind of see their, his point now as an adult. Like, he, tr- he sets his bygones aside to go save the country that almost killed him as a kid and, try- and trains and trains his little deformed ass off. And then the king's like, no, fuck you. And the Persian king pays him in women and gold. Like, Something he probably has not had either of. Uh, no, like he hasn't life. had either of those things. Like, that's a pretty sweet deal, if you ask me. Oh, yeah, I think it'd be hard to uh, have anybody not take that deal up. Ah, uh, yeah, but we needed... We needed to have his comeuppance. And that brings me to my next point. He like Xerxes himself mentions the goat path. And I don't know if that was before the dude went up to him and was like, hey, I got an idea for you. But then yeah, that I, other guy. I also had that moment. I was like, why do you need him if you know about the goat path? And like that other dude said, we have hundreds of scouts in these hills. So you haven't found it yet. And you know about it. So what the fuck are the scouts doing like that shows a bunch of their dead bodies that can't have killed all of them right no i'd have to imagine at least one of them got away yeah there's no way they could have killed all the scouts and sun tzu himself said it an army without scouts and spies is a man with no eyes and ears i think that's the first time we've had sun tzu quoted on this show yeah, I'm quite proud of myself. I'm very learned and intelligent. Oh, yeah? Well, I've listened to half of Sun Tzu on Audible, so... Oh, yeah? Well, I listened to half an AI voice and Joshua Graham read it to me. So there! <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. Sun Tzu is hard for me to read. I, I've... It's mostly common sense. <laughs> it is. It's... I'm ashamed to say it. I haven't completely read Art of War. And I have the book, the hard copy. 
I do too, but it feels like something that as a military history nerd, I should have read start to finish, but I, I just can't, I can't make myself do it. Which is saying something because I read Von Clausewitz and that is a fucking hard read. What's Von Clausewitz? He did, uh, what was it? On War or Total War? Mm-hmm. What was Wouldn't happen to have been German, Woody. He was. Hmm. You know, I wasn't quite sure with Von Clausewitz. Yeah, he wrote On War. Wait, um, is he that he, guy that coined the phrase "War is the most potent drug there is"? Uh, might have. I don't remember. Anyways, he's the one that made Total War. Um, he put it pen to paper. I mean, Total War had been a thing prior to him, but he gets credited with it. Okay, and you read all of it yeah i read on war and that's a that's a long lengthy read sounds like it compared to art of war like art of war should take you like an hour to read and on war by von clausewitz should take you like two days it takes an hour to read but a lifetime to perfect oh shut the fuck up I think my favorite Sun Tzu quote is um, a salvaged meal from the enemy is worth 10 you bring on your own. But before I get too off topic, 300. And of course, we can't forget its sister film, Meet the Spartans. I thought you were going to say 300 Rise of an Empire. No. Absolutely not. We should have done 300 and meet the Spartans as a double feature. (laughs) I refuse. (laughs) Especially especially the difference in how they do the Oracle scenes. (laughs) That's hilarious. Just pays them in ointment. Yeah, and skin cream. That part killed me. Which, what, what did you think of the Oracle scene in this movie? It was mesmerizing. It was quite well shot and well done. Part of it looked like a painting. Very, very, the cinematography in this movie is pretty great. If you don't, if you can get past the permanent sepia filter on everything. The world is in sepia. <laughs> you scream only to have special sauce fly from your lips. <laughs> For those who don't know, this is a very out there reference to a YouTube video. Maybe I'll share it to our Facebook page sometime. But <laughs> it's a any, great one. I I also this this film is truly filled with uh, some great cinematic moments, or just the cinematography in it is brilliant. Um, you know, the Oracle scene, the whole the Oracle floating in the air deal really, you know, demonstrates the whole like mysticism to it. Um, Mm -hmm. 12 year old John who saw this in the theaters did not appreciate the cinematography because he was too focused on the boobs. Um, 
<laughs> there was cinematography. What cinematography? <laughs> Titties. <laughs> Uh, but even the, like the the scene that immediately follows the oracle scene, which is another uh, boobs out in the air scene, um, you know the one where we have Leonidas, you know, butt ass naked, um, and the entire scene is in black and gray, and when he is running his hand up the back of uh, Lena Hedy or Hetty, how do you say her name? Queen Cersei. Yeah. When he's running his hand up the back of his hand up her back and you can see like each individual hair on like his arm and on her back, like that was like just that one still frame. It's just super impressive. Yeah. But there's tons of moments like that in this film, like just throughout like the the scene where they're watching the persian fleet get smashed on the rocks and like leonidas is getting pelted by rain that's another great um like still frame um it's just if you if you step away from the blood and gore and the like sparta like aspect of this film there's some truly beautiful scenes Mm -hmm. and good shots I was also a big fan of the uh, like walking through the wheat field scene. Very reminiscent of Gladiator. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, oh, what was his name? The guy that loses an eye. Faramir. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Faramir was a great narrator for this. David Wenham. David Wenham. Yeah. Dave. Great. It's also Friar Carl and Van Helsing. Hmm. Well, I'll be. And probably his greatest work of art or narrating work is uh, being the narrator for uh, Deadliest Jedli Warrior of Deadliest Spike Warrior. TV. Back yeah. when Spike TV was still a thing. That show was something. <laughs> Really you know, dumb, I just I just made the connection. If Spike TV was to turn themselves into one singular film, 300 is that film. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because it's overtop violence, homophobia and boobs. <laughs> Historical inaccuracies, but never let the truth get in the way of a good story. What if the Nazis won World War II? I don't know. Go the fuck to sleep, Spike. Like, <laughs> and don't it's... don't wake up Uncle History Channel. <laughs> it's three a.m. Go away. Uh, How yeah, heavy I... does a boob have to be to crush a beer can? I. Why do I need to know this? Because it's science. Shut up! It. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking mansers. Mansers. Bro, I used when I used, had to um, stay up to go check cows on the ranch. Oh man, that show and a thousand ways to die, those were my go-to's to watch while I was just chilling between going out and checking cows. Hmm, mm, memories. Ah, uh, the memes. So, what was your 
your favorite scene in this movie? I liked the one shot of actual historically accurate hoplite combat. And then they that promptly was... forgot about that. <laughs> that I did like, good. it was almost a montage of all the weird shit they tried to flush out the Spartans, a rhino, an elephant, some actual bombs. And Peter was mad about the elephant scene. Oh, probably. And the youngest one who I still headcanon is 14 or 15 years old. He chucks that spear and kills the rhino in one hit, even though this is probably the first rhino he's ever even seen in his life. Yeah, and then four minutes he gets his head cut off. Yeah, very cleanly too. Astonos, my son who's about to die because of foreshadowing. <laughs> Astonos, my son, in case the audience forgot your relationship to me. <laughs> Astonos, my son. Hi. Hi. <laughs> yes, I've, that is I. I've never told you I love you and I never will. And that scene where the... Uh, quote-unquote wizards doing their quote-unquote magic literally just guys hawking bombs at them and they drop a lit bomb and it rolls toward their entire stash of bombs you could have told me that that was a Hanna-Barbera cartoon scene and I wouldn't have I love yeah, how it pans over to Xerxes screaming as you see like a mushroom cloud in the background yeah. <laughs> god yeah Imagine this is a Hanna-Barbera cartoon and Yosemite Sam is the King Xerxes. Oh, those Spartans! <laughs> After he sees the mushroom cloud of Acme dynamite in the distance. <laughs> <laughs> and they keep doing like the that childish clown shit that Hanna-Barbera cartoons always do, like putting up a door in front of them knock knock and then like punches them or something or paints the thermopylae on a rock and they all crash into it we have scouts all over this place oh we turn them into a wall <laughs> i i think it would be very interesting to see like a direct true adaptation into like an animated film of frank miller's 300 I feel they, like it would get very like Star Wars Clone Wars vibes, like the original animated one. And I should mention, um, Samurai Jack had their own adaption of this, Jack and the 300 Spartans, <clears throat> before really? the movie, I might add. I don't remember that episode. Yeah, he comes across not not future Sparta, and instead of, they have spears, but at the end of them are like rockets, so you can stab them and then launch the rockets. And it's an endless army. Instead of Persians, it's an endless army of Minotaur robots. And that sounds it, intense. It, it was intense. It blew my fucking mind as a kid. And, you know, he shows up, helps them, and then the king lays it down for him. Like, this happens every day. Me and my men come out here and defend our home. This is our home, blah, blah, blah. And him and the king go on this special mission to the factory where they events transpire but in the big final boss fight they destroy the factory and whoever was making the machines and they get separated and never see each other again and it flashes forward to many years and the king is dying of old age and he talks about the wandering warrior that helped him and his and his people 
and then cut to black. Oh wait, actually the kid, the son asked him, did the other warrior make it? And he's like, I don't know, but probably he was a good warrior cut to black episode ends. <laughs> it was very good. It won an award actually that episode in particular. That doesn't shock me. Samurai Jack was a, a great, great show. Very. Have you ever gone to Samurai Jack for Halloween? No. A part of me feels that would be at least a little bit culturally insensitive being as he's Japanese. Mm, yeah, that might be problematic. Possibly. So just a little bit. But... So yeah, this movie, um, this movie has a bit of nostalgia for me because I remember when this came out. I don't think I saw it in theaters. No, I definitely didn't. I saw it on Dish, but on I remember. No, I was uh, I was in sixth grade. Yeah, I was at the end of sixth grade or around that time when this movie came out, and it was in theaters in my hometown for like three weeks. It was very popular and that's all anyone wanted to talk about is that movie and how lit it was how so cool it was mm, sparta sparta i this this movie definitely had a long-lasting impact and i like this movie even though it's very much like an over-the-top action film like there is kind of something like a little bit of something for everybody in it. Like, for example, I, I told Miranda, I'm like, yeah, this week we're watching 300. And she's like, oh, is that the one where Gerard Butler is really hot? And I'm like, yes, yes, it is. And uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, my wife, she's the one who does our, like each episode's uh, cover art. And uh I, I told her, I'm like, yeah, for last week's episode, I'm like, yeah, this week is Flying Tigers. She's like, okay, here's a 300 one that I already did. I'm like, why did you do it? She's like, no reason. And <laughs> she gave me like two or three different one of all like just, you know, at, rip, abs out Gerard Butler. I'm like, yeah, that doesn't give me a complex at all. <laughs> so if you want to... <laughs> That makes me think, what do you think the like baby oil budget on this film was? Oh, just through the roof. Like they had to, do you think they were buying it in like 55 gallon drums? Had to. Cause as we all know, the real historical Spartans didn't actually wear armor. They just oiled their muscles thoroughly. And that was enough. You can trust me. I'm a historian probably. I'm not hearing any disagreements. <laughs> no, I'm I'm not going to disagree. Ancient ancient Greece is hardly my my strong suit. Probably know more about it than I do, which is not much. I know that there was a town called Sp Sparta at one point. My favorite, like I said, this is an inspired by, not a based on, true story type film. And if you actually look into the overall story of this, like, yes, we, we could talk about how, like, yeah, there was more than 300 Spartans. Like, yeah, that everybody knows that. Like, let, let's move on. Um, um, 
the thing that I find hilarious is how these this entire movie is like, we are free men and we will never bow to you. And literally, I want to say maybe a decade after this battle, the Spartans were on the Persian payroll because the Persians were like, okay, we're not going to beat you in outright battles. So we're just going to pay you guys to fight each other and then step in. And that and worked. It, yeah, it fucking worked. Yeah. It's like you guys are... yeah. It's just so funny. They're like, we will never bow to Xerxes. Ten years later, they're on his fucking bankroll. <sighs> yeah. Have you seen the sequel to this? I have. It is terrible, but we're going to have to watch it. Yeah, I have not seen it because I have heard it's in fact awful. What if they just titled the sequel 301? <laughs> like 101 Dalmatians. Yeah, the naming scheme of 101 Dalmatians take a number and go up. 321 Spartans. Ju- this time it's personal. <laughs> 301 Jump Street. <laughs> I love that in uh, 22 Jump Street during the end credits, they came up with a bunch of trailers for like or movie posters for like yeah uh, the different 20, 24 jump street 25 jump street like it's like medical school flight school martial arts <laughs> i yeah and 23 jump street was great because they were making fun of the fact that they were a sequel <laughs> can we watch 23 jump street for a war on drugs hell i think we have more dubious claims on the list anyway so why not i don't know what is more dubious than 22 jump street i mean i don't know you're the one with the list but i'm sure there are we're i i agree with you but we're also counting um robocop and um judge dread judge dread is war on crimes which okay okay to be fair judge dread is more of a war crime than a war war on crimes yeah geneva suggestions <laughs> speaking of war crimes so um, war they, crime the first time and speaking of war crimes yes i know that the geneva convention is still a um, more than a couple centuries off maybe even a couple thousand years but <clears throat> that scene where they're just casually executing the wounded persians and like having a conversation while they're doing it is there no yeah. reason we can't be civil stab that's a war cry <laughs> and none sired none at that, all that dramatic scene at the end where he fakes surrender to king leonidas only to have his buddy springboard off his back and yeah that's that's called perfidy and is considered one of the most heinous war crimes there is and it's yes Ooh, it's perfidy considered... that's a good vocab word it, yeah i've only ever i've only heard it used in the sense of uh perfidious acts i feel like i'm on sesame street the word of today is perfidy it's when you launch a counterattack when feigning surrender <laughs> it's more heavily punished than shooting unarmed civilians i feel like perfidy was a pretty big deal in like the age of sail like and, everybody was flying different flags and fun fact um 
I was gonna whip this out if we ever if you ever Shanghai me into watching U five seven one, but early on in the war for submarine warfare, they went by gentleman rules where they would shoot down a ship and they would like actually surface and sail to the lifeboats and offer them a ride back to wherever. Sometimes they'd be taken prisoners. Sometimes they'd just be set loose, but they'd be offered like coffee, hot chocolate, food, give it, they'd be like warmed up. However, some assholes started sneaking weapons aboard after that they were taken prisoner. And after that, the Germans stopped doing that and just started executing some of the people. Hence why they shoot down those people. It's treated as such a horrific moment. And it is that moment where he just turns the gun on the people sailing and shooting. But there was a reason that happened. And that's because, going back to our word of the day, perfidy. And why it's so heinously, or why it's so tenaciously punished and investigated. Hmm. the more you know and yeah something something gentleman's code because before the geneva convention it was just the gentleman's code never trust another person to be a gentleman <sighs> never do so i know this is i don't even know how i want to bring this up <laughs> Um, with tact I was just I found so the 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 aspect of the queen in this movie where she is politicking for her husband um I feel like a lot of times we get like a flash to the home front type deal in a lot of movies and it really doesn't have a bearing on the story or it's kind of like eh, we can do without it but this is one of those times that um not only does it add to the story but also it's like it's truly impactful um so much so that basically uh the queen um i don't know how to phrase this it was she 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 gets sexually assaulted in order to uh, curry favor in the the Senate, if you will, and uh, then we turn, we find out that the the guy that assaults her is on Xerxes' payroll and backstabs him. But I found that to be one of the one of the best scenes in this film is when she stabs him, like on the Senate floor. And I was wondering what your opinion of the scene was. That. I'm glad you asked because me and Steiner had thoughts about that. So what was his plan? I generally don't know. I'm sure there's probably some sort of sneaky, like I will become king kind of nonsense. I'm confused because he gets up there and talks about her adultery, but it's her word versus his. And he's just some senator from what I can tell. But she's the fucking queen. And yeah, but also this is ancient Greece, and I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that in ancient Greece, like uh, a male probably has more of a voice than a female. Yes, but the reason her voice has such weight to it is because who she's married to. 
so you could argue by extension her voice is almost that of the kings compared to just some old senator she could have just said you're lying get out of here or you're lying you're executed would anyone argue i know i wouldn't that's and like fair. she's lucky when she stabbed him in the dick she also hit his coin purse because that could easily be interpreted as her trying to get him to shut up and spit let spill less information but she spills his coins which implicates him as a traitor that was kind of lucky like i don't maybe she knew that's where she he kept his coins i don't know <laughs> I don't keep my coins in a fanny pack under my toga. I'm, I'm curious what his plan, like, why is he carrying around the Xerxes money, though? Like, yeah, like, where is he spending that in Sparta? Would that not turn a head or two if he tried to spend that? Wait a minute. Huh. God. The other part I, I loved about it, it, it was kind of silly and a little ridiculous, was uh, all the old senators, like, pick up the coins and they realize he's a traitor. And then they they just start yelling out traitor like it's like it's South Park. Rabble, rabble, rabble. <laughs> or a SpongeBob. Soiled it. Soiled it. Uh, but yeah, like his plan was weird. Like he was trying to undercut someone whose voice had more weight than his own. Uh, it's yeah. dumb. I just I thought the scene like. I think it's very rare where we see in cinema or even just in society in general where a a woman is wronged and we get to see the like utmost like aspect of a revenge or payback for the wrong that's done against them. So I think that's something I really appreciated and just the the scene of her stabbing him is a very powerful scene and i'm i'm very glad that it's it's in this yeah yeah and that shot of all the coins spilling out so get getting back to the oracle part who the fuck were those deformed guys again the e4s the e4s yeah and i don't know much about the oracle of delphi but i think they were like the Oracle of Delphi handlers or like priests or whatever. Yeah. And he, he, he seemed to have a lot of contempt for them. I love the, the queen. She's like, who are you going to listen to your wife or a teenage girl? <laughs> Got me there. I just, I could, like I could definitely understand having contempt for the Oracle of Delphi, but also the Oracle of Delphi is used by everybody in Greece at this point. Like, yeah, like I was gonna mention, this is like um, I was gonna say no man's land. It's like going Oracle. to the city council for a building permit. If they tell you no, you're fucked. Yeah, your hands are tied. But then he goes in anyway, <laughs> like you do when Which... you can't get a permit, <laughs> right? You just build it a slightly underneath code so you don't have to <laughs> which is another it's a it's another aspect of the story that's stupid because like the overall greek force was led by a guy named themistocles 
which is who we get introduced into the sequel to this film wasn't he the admiral yeah but he was also like he oversaw the entire campaign gotcha um so the whole scene is like i'm just taking my personal bodyguard for a walk like no he the 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 spartans were with like five or seven thousand other dudes when the battle started and the the last stand of the spartans is the last couple of days where they act as a rear guard while everybody leaves um so this isn't like some clever plan by leonidas to start a war like they're following the orders of another greek general Mm. but they get all the glory so they get to write the story and another thing i can't believe that i haven't brought up yet the iconic scene of him kicking the emissary into the well this is madness yep oh excuse me so the water's gonna go bad right like of all the places to kick and throw the dude did they have to pick where they drink i don't know if that's necessarily where they got their water from but it definitely would have an impact on the water table like that didn't really bother me until recently they're like it's like it's on the same i want to know who dug the bottomless pit it i don't know a very pernicious slave but um what what was i gonna say shit efialities we have a job for you yeah we need you to build a bottomless pit for us to kick people into on the battlefield it's on the same it's on the other side of the coin as shitting where you eat kicking dead bodies where you drink (sighs) but man the grain in that movie looked lush gotta say Mm. big fan made me want to have a sandwich i did hmm yeah this is a very chest pumping movie to get you pumped up you know kind of like the uh you what is your profession i'm a potter sir you blacksmith spartans what is your profession oh (laughs) what's an ahu (laughs) i don't know the only See, thing so here's the thing i i know we were ripping on people who latch on to spartan culture just because they have a false idea of what it is to be like a manly man like like i said i'm cool if you appreciate the spartans and that's your thing like if you want a spartan helmet on your truck all the power to you but like let's just have an understanding that what you probably understand as spartans is is not accurate yeah um but the one thing i i I do appreciate is um have you heard of the spartan race i have it's like it's like a tough mutter i i did it last year and it was a lot of fun um but i appreciated that because it was like this is just a really hard physical task which the spartans were known for being very physically tough individuals um like I'm, I'm cool with you latching on to that. Yeah, because you can spin that into self improvement, right? Not, and like, not cosplay. 
Right. If you are using the Spartan image as a way to motivate yourself for for better reasons, cool. If you're using it to identify yourself as like if you're using the Spartan image to identify yourself as like the alpha male bullshit, oh, then you're yeah. you're doing it wrong. But if if you're like I got Spartan this because I think Spartans are cool or I got I did the Spartan race or I just appreciate Spartan history, cool. All the power to you. It's it's just those dickheads who are like Ugh, I'm a man. Yeah, dickheads always got to ruin everything. But speaking of dickheads, there is one more thing I'd like to mention. And it's the uh, problematic way this movie's interpreted. Um, a lot of people see it as um, Western cultures versus Eastern cultures, where the Westerners are these tough, hard as nails warriors, and the Easterners. Freedom are these loving. Freedom loving, even though they own slaves. And the Persians are the evil Easterners looking out to invade our lands and take our way of life. They're here to take our gay bar away. Yeah, they're here to take our boy lovers away and our slaves. This is Lesbos! <laughs> and of course, there's the South Park parody. God bless uh, it. Ooh, scissor me timbers. We can't, we can't push them back every night. Oh, really? I thought it was kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of kicking him down the well, she kicks him in the balls. <laughs> oh, God. South Park. Um, What are you drinking? And a wonderful purple rain again. It's been my drink of choice. Man, recently. wish I could drink those. I'll switch it up sometime soon. They're me, too sugar. They're too sugary. Me, I'm just drinking Kool Aid. Nothing special. Wasn't really feeling like alcohol tonight. Nice. I know, right? I surprised myself as well. So, was there any other part of this film that you wanted to touch on? I feel like there was. I mean, yeah, we already touched on the flippy dippy shit. Um, whirly twirly, whirly twirly, flippy dippy. Rotten tomato. I'm just gonna bring up the rotten tomatoes because I can't really think of anything else. So last week I chose our our custom rating. What do you what do you think uh, this week's custom rating should be? Um. <clears throat> goat paths one to five goat paths i gotta give this a four out of five yes it has its problems yes it has its problematic shit yes it has its dumb shit i was going somewhere with this oh yeah it's entertaining but at, yeah at the end of the day is that not all we ask of our movies i don't know maybe I'm, maybe I'm just we, maybe I'm, we maybe, asked maybe, a, we asked a lot of gettysburg yeah, we, we, I want to say we asked a lot of flying tigers, but we really didn't, and it still managed to limbo under our expectations. Right. Very impressive in and of itself, really. But 
I don't know. Uh, well, that's my rating. What do you give it? This might be contentious. Ooh, I like contentiousness. But I think, you know, I think I've only given this rating to one other film. Um, I think the important thing we have to remember is that this is a inspired by, not a based on yeah. story. And like I said, this is not a, this is this was never meant to be a historically accurate film. This is a comic book movie based on a historical event. I think this film has spectacular cinematography. I think this film, I mean, it, it goes back and forth, but there are some great music pieces in this film. Oh, yeah. especially the like operatic stuff there is some great performances i mean the the story is pretty well written i mean the the dialogue leaves something to be desired but that even that is true to form with spartans because uh the we have a thing called laconic speech which literally means like simple and witty type of speech which is attributed to the spartans as creating um i think this is a fantastic film like i said i watch this at least once a year i think this is a film that everybody should watch at least once this is this is the kind of film that would go on your etsy top 100 film scratch off poster <laughs> Um, for that, I would give it five out of five goat paths. That was beautiful, man. Beautiful. I now, know. <clears throat> let's see what the good folks at Rotten Tomatoes say. 61% critical. Jesus. 89% <laughs> audience score. Okay, I'll take an 89. That's, that's yeah, close to too. you. That, that sounds about right. Maybe a little bit less, maybe a little bit more. Eh. Hmm. it is what it is it is so with that out of the way what's our next movie so next week we have a guest joining us which means that they get to pick um we will be joined by comic book artist reed beeman bayman I'm sorry, Reed. We'll we'll figure this out next week. I don't know how to pronounce your last. I don't know how to pronounce your last name, but you you can tell us how it's pronounced. Anyways, he uh, was the artist for a graphic novel called The Stretcher Bearers, which is about World War One. Um, and I've read it. It is a spectacular graphic novel. Um, recommended for anybody to get. But his choice was what 2001's the lost battalion which is a war drama about an american battalion of over 500 men which gets trapped behind enemy lines in the argonne forest in october of 1918 ah, interesting it's really good mm, i think it was hbo it says A and E, but maybe I'm looking at the wrong one. I don't know. A and E might have bought the rights to it. 
I I remember watching this as a kid uh, when it was released to TV. It's uh, if I remember correctly, it's a pretty pretty good movie. So we're excited to have him on, uh, and I'm excited to review this movie. Uh, I really like the movie, but we shall see how it holds up. We shall. You got uh, anything before we sign off? No, sir. All right. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review. The stars do matter. Uh, If you know anybody who enjoys war movies or doesn't have any current podcasts they're listening to, please share it with them as uh, we always enjoy uh, people join us for our conversations. Uh, If you want additional content, uh, you can find us over on Instagram and Facebook at the Armchair Commanders podcast. And with that being said, we have had a great time with all of you joining us, and we uh, can't wait to have you till next time. Mm Mm-hmm. Bye. I'm not going to say bye. (laughs) Wow, you're, you're really... You're a dickhead. You're a dick. You're a towel. You're a towel. You're a towel. Okay, bye, everybody. Bye.